0: So just a little practical public service announcement. The lights are low intentionally, so I love it when it's like this. It's not just low because it's hot outside and makes it a little bit cooler, um, but also the main reason I like it to be like this, not just to save the money because I'm a pastor in the same way I don't want to air condition the whole outside. I like to save a little money on the electricity bill. But our church is so beautiful, and especially when you got the sunlight coming through the windows, I love it, so I hope you do too, and we did this at 8 a.m., and like 98% of those people loved it. If you don't, I'm sorry. Bear with me. We probably won't do it all the time, but I decided to do it today, so I hope you're okay with that. So, as we look at this, look at the gospel, and dive in today, I just want to invite you for a moment to suspend disbelief and imagine that you decide to cash in your 401k and everything that you own and you're a big fan of soccer, and you want everybody else to be too, and you take that money from your 401K and everything else, and you buy the Charlotte Football Club, right? So you buy the professional major league soccer team in Charlotte because you you want to have a wonderful team. You want people to love the sport. You want Charlotte to do well. All these great things and so you invest in great players and you know building up the stadium as nice as it can be getting good people in concessions and parking and marketing and everything else and like it's going great and you're all excited and you want it to be great and then Miami signs on Lionel Messi and you have a game against them coming up in October and your goalie says, I, I'm i just not going up against that guy. Like, he's a good goalie. He's had a lot of wonderful saves throughout his career, but he doesn't want to face the threat from Argentina. I mean, this is something different. It's like going up against Michael Jordan. I mean, we're talking, like, difference of, you know, catastrophic differences here. And the goalie is just, like, completely freaked out. And you're telling him, like, look, it'll be okay. Just, you know, it's a moment for greatness to rise the challenge. But he's just too darn anxious. And then, to make matters worse, the whole defensive line have all just invested in some wonderful new video game system. This is where I show my age. I don't know what it is anymore. We'll say Nintendo, I think. I don't know. Um, but they love the Nintendo, right? And we're up to like FIFA in 2024. And they have wonderful homes and couches and snacks. And you know what they decide? It's like, you know, Yeah, soccer's great, but I'd really rather just kind of stay home in my nice couch and have my snacks and whatever else and just play FIFA on my Nintendo. Like, I'd rather just play it on the video game because it's just kind of nice that way. You know, and then the marketing people are upset because Miami's marketing is so cool and how can we put up with this? All of a sudden, yeah, people are are scared. The people just want to stay home because they just want to be comfortable and not actually engage in the game. And it's frustrating. And that's where my parable is not nearly as good as our Lord's. But I tell you that just to kind of set the scene for the beauty of what our Lord gives us in this parable that we all know so well. Now, you may notice that the way the gospel began today is different than it's began the last several weeks. So for the last several weeks, we were in Matthew chapter 10. And that is in the midst of the second of Jesus' five sermons in the midst of the Gospel of Matthew. The first one we all know really well, Matthew 5-7, to the Sermon on the Mount. The next one that concludes with chapter 10 is the Mission Sermon. So in that one, you may have noticed the last several weeks, the Gospel began and Jesus said to his apostles. So he's talking to like the inner circle, the ones who are right there with him, who are on board... And he's able to be very frank with them, saying things like, unless you take up your cross, you're not worthy of me. And these are the ones that are a lot closer. He's a lot more challenging. We heard those pretty strong phrases the last several weeks. Today, we've moved into his third sermon, which some scholars call the mystery sermon. We've got a lot of parables coming over the next couple of weeks. But you notice that it began differently than Jesus said to his apostles. Today, we heard, on that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood along the shore. So notice, Jesus has left the company of just his close friends and family, right? He's gone out of the house, And now he's not just talking to his inner circle. He's talking to such great crowds that he's got to step aside from them. And where he steps is very telling. He sits on top of the sea. He is God over the waters, right? We go back to the beginning of Genesis. The Holy Spirit hovers over the waters. Here is the second person the Holy Trinity on top of the waters, on top of chaos, right? Overcoming it, and hurling out these seeds over the great crowds, not just 2,000 years ago at the Sea of Galilee, but today to you and me. And how does he go about doing this? By telling these parables. Why? Because we get stubborn, right? We, as it says here, quoting Isaiah, gross is the heart of this people. Another way to say that is fat is the heart of this people, like sluggish. We fall into things. We don't want to listen. We just get in our habits and enough, but he doesn't give up on us, right? Here's another way of coming at this, giving these parables, these stories, to break into the grossness of our hearts and to hopefully bring about more because he's called us to so much. And you can see that so beautifully exhibited in this gospel. Our God is the type that He's not a stingy giver. You look at the way he sows here. He's throwing seed into every nook and cranny. It doesn't even matter if the prospect of all kinds of success is going to happen. He's throwing it all over the place. And the other beautiful thing about today's gospel, this is one of the few parables, there's only I think three, where Jesus, after giving the parable, then gives the description of what he means by it. Most of the time we get the parable, he moves on. Like you don't get the whole description of, you know, the father is this one, and the prodigal son is this one, and the older son, no, he just gives us the parable, and then he moves on. Today, we get our Lord like giving a homily about his own sermon, that he, his own parable that he just gave. And I would say as we reflect on that and look at what he's doing, there's one type of soil that I think we ought to reflect on in particular. And why do I say that? Because I don't think most of us here are in danger of being the first type of soil. You know, the path, right? The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of God, of the king, or the word of the kingdom, without understanding it, and evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. You all are here, right? So there has to be something going on. The seed has gotten deeper than just the surface. You're here. Congratulations. I don't think we're really the path, at least not the lion's share of us. Even the rocky ground, right? That's the one the roots are weak. The sun scorches it. It withers and fades away. I would say, once again, the lion's share of you saw you last Sunday, although last Sunday I was up in the choir loft with Flora at this point seeing Father Chinanto. Nevertheless, I see you here week after week. There are roots, right? Most of us, I would say, have the roots. We're trying, we're staying close, we're here most of the time. It's the third type of soil that I think is so good to look at, to reflect on, because I think that's the one that all of us who are here, Sunday after Sunday, have a tendency to be in that type of soil. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word of God, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word and it bears no fruit. And notice that. It's not that the seed dies, right? It's that it bears no fruit. We are created to be co-workers with God, which is an amazing thing when you think about it. And that's why I gave the little soccer analogy, right? You don't invest in a whole big soccer team for them to just not lose or just to exist, right? You create them because you want to win games. You want to, like, do awesome things like, gather the whole world's attention and make it look awesome for soccer, right? Our life as Christians, as followers of Christ, is even better than that. He did not create us to merely avoid hell. He didn't make us to just not lose. He made us to bear great fruit, to participate in our vocations, to live them to the fullest. You may remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about the servants at the wedding feast at Cana. right now those guys and gals in heaven are able to able to say i was one of those people i got to fill up that stone water jar and provide the grounds out of which our lord did his first big public miracle and they get to say that for all eternity here we are in the midst of salvation history in this current moment our lord wants us here he wants us living out our vocation Another reason why I bring up the soccer analogy, it's not just the players, right? You got the staff, the ushers, you got the the, the, the medics, the coaches, the people working concessions, the janitors, the folks doing parking. Everybody has to show up and do their best to make it an amazing experience. Here we are more so than that. Each of us has our own vocation. We're all called to follow our Lord and bear great fruit. But I think today's gospel, this parable, gives us a wonderful examination of conscience of what are the thorns that might keep us from bearing fruit. And the word here that, you know, the worldly anxiety, the lure of riches, choke the word. I mean, a more accurate translation is even like strangle it, like getting in there in this act of like pulling it away, like struggling off all the air, strangling the person. What are the two things that do that? Worldly anxiety and the lure of riches. I want to take the second one first, that lure of riches. It's an interesting thing. We don't always think of the lure of riches as a thorn that's going to stop us from bearing fruits. But think about that. Comforts in the midst of the lure of riches. Sometimes it's a lot easier to just kind of prefer our own comforts to producing the fruit that our lord wants us to produce to participate with him right i mean for example you know i I use the the defensive line they'd rather stay home and play video games the unreal than be engaged in the real to live up to the calling that they have So I know for a fact, just talking about myself personally, here's a little confession, like it's hard for me at the end of the day to just shut off the phone, right? To put it down, I'd rather watch another YouTube video. I'd rather read another article. I'd rather do Duolingo for a little bit longer, right? And the problem is then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, it's 11 o'clock, it's 11.15, it's 11.30. It's harder to get up when I'm staying up way too late. It's like I'm preferring the immediate comforts to the joy of spending time with our Lord in prayer. And if you're doing that, you're missing out on being with him, talking with him, finding out what is it that you want me to do? How do you want me to participate? And when I can just shut that stuff off and go to sleep and get up nice and early so I can pray, good things happen. But the lure of riches, that thorn, it's easy to get in there and choke things off. We all have stuff like that. Comforts that keep us from doing what our Lord is calling us to do. The second one, of course, worldly anxiety. And I hate to break it to you all, I'm glad you're sitting down. I don't know if you've watched the news at all lately, but it's not good, you know? There's a lot of difficulties out there in the world. There's a lot of things that cause all of us anxiety. There's inflation, there's wars, there's hardships. Yes, but the fact of the matter is, it's always been that way. Since Adam and Eve reached out and took that piece of fruit, there's always been problems, right? We know this. And there's a lot of problems that are completely outside of our control. It's so much easier to say, ah, senator, representative, president, pope, you know, cardinal, they need to do X. It's so much easier to say that than it is I need to do fill in the blank. But the fact of the matter is we're called to participate too. And rather than just being all wrapped up in anxiety about what's going on in the world, what is it that you can do? Not to be paralyzed by the thorns of anxiety, but Lord, what is it you want me to do today? What is it that you want me to participate in, to bring about that great fruit? And as we do that, not being afraid of the consequences, not being afraid of what other people think when we're actually following our Lord in a real intentional way, but to get up and to follow him. The beautiful thing is we find our dignity as being co-workers with Christ. And I really do mean that, the dignity of it. Yes, could our Lord just take care of everything by himself? Of course he could, he's God, but he doesn't. Because he respects us too darn much, he wants us to participate. He wants us to get to be a part of bringing about the good fruit. And I would just say a great remedy to that anxiety is to look at the whole parable. Look at the way that God pours out everything upon us. Look at the very way he chooses to give us himself in this sacrament. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. Jesus Christ gives himself so freely at every mass to all of us who approach, who are in a state of grace, who are ready to open ourselves up to him He just throws himself out there, just like the sower does with the seed. When we approach him in that way, not, you know, all sorts of fear and anxiety about what might happen, but trusting in the fact that he is with us. And notice, he goes out of the house, he gets into the boat, he himself has gone out, we're called to do the same thing. I would just say, take the opportunity this week to use this beautiful parable as a nice little examination of conscience. To ask our Lord, what are the thorns in my life? What are the fears that I have that really need to be pruned back? That Lord, I need your help with to be taken away. That I can live out my vocation and produce the fruit that you've intended me to produce. What are the comforts, the lure of passing riches that ultimately leave us let down in the end, right? Like hit the snooze button in the morning. It inevitably lets you down. That's not good sleep. You're just missing out on what you're called to do, right? To be able to get over that hump of letting go of those comforts and getting to work, getting out there to do those good things. Ask him For that grace to know, what are the thorns that have to be cut back? And I would say this time of year especially reminds us that's a constant process, right? The weeds keep growing up in my gutters, which is even deeper and deeper, like letting you know. Another confession, right? It's gross. I wish it wasn't happening. I'll get up there one of these days. But, like, weeds, thorns, they keep coming up. But the good news is, our Lord is so generous, so ready to help us prune those things, Ask Him for the grace to know what they are, to have the help to prune them back, and then to be open to his generosity, to bear that incredible yield. He said, we're in North Carolina, not in Iowa like my brother and sister-in-law, right? It's a little bit different, but I mean, seed does not normally bear 30, 60, or 100-fold. This is incredible stuff, and so is our vocation. So as we listen to him and ask him for the grace to prune back those thorns, to be open to him, to have that anxiety, to have those lure of riches removed, to ask him for that grace to participate in the good work he's calling you and me to, that we also might produce 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Praise be Jesus Christ.